of the living God. We're going through the whole Bible, not today, but we've been going through it from Genesis to Revelation, looking at the, the need, the importance, the necessity of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Amen. And so I encourage you, if you missed any part of the series, please go online and listen to the sermons. You will be blessed and enriched. It is an important element. It is an important part of our life. We cannot live the Christian life without the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot live it to its fullness the way God would want us to. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, turn with me this morning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verse number 11. And you can follow along and I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to write things down so that uh, you can go home and, and meditate and look, up, uh, look, look upon these things. And again, you can listen to the, the, the sermons again online. Praise God. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. We're looking at verse number 11. Stay there, Lindsay. But previous to that, the Lord, the Word of God is telling us that that we, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, sin is not a word that the world wants to hear today, but the Word of God makes it clear this is the reason Jesus came, to take away our sin, because sin separated you and I from peace with God, from having a relationship with God, Sin was the the blockage, the, the cement on the door that we were not able to enter into the kingdom of God. But Jesus came so that he can remove sin from our lives. Amen. And he, he shattered that cement wall in a sense and, and opened the doorway to entrance to peace and life with God. Amen. That's why he came. Jesus came that he may wash away our sins, give us new life, new hope, new direction. Amen. Bless God. And so the Bible previously here, it gives a listing of some really, some really terrible sins. And, and what it says here in verse number 11, and it says, and such were some of you. Now, some of you, some of you, not meaning all of you, how many of you know the word some does not mean all? It means some. It doesn't mean few, and it doesn't mean many. It's somewhere between few and many, right? Some were involved in, in these other types of, of sins that, that we look at as, oh, how terrible they are. But the Bible says all have sin. And the Bible says, and such, such were some of you. But... Ye are washed. You know, the world The world lies to us, and it, it, it tries to tell us that... You ever hear the expression, when somebody's doing something, and they say, well, everybody's doing it. Well, that's not true. That's a lie. Not everybody does everything, right? And so when, when people are living together and in sin, and they say, well, everybody's doing it. No, not everybody is doing it. There are those that are still living by standards of righteousness and holiness... And so the devil tries to lie to get you to think that everybody's doing it, so it's okay. And the Bible says, no, it's not okay. But it doesn't matter. I told you the story about my uncle, and I told him about Jesus. And he said, no, I'm a good man. I don't do all of those things. I'm a good man. And I says, but uncle. I said, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory. But I'm a good man. And he was. I never did those things. I never went here, did this, did but... 
all have sinned. But it says, and such were some of you. But, I love the word but in the word of God. You know, because unless God's love came to us and Christ came, there would be no but. We would be sinners and that would be it. That's the end of the story. Right down. Separation from God. It says, but ye are washed. What does it mean, ye are washed? Sin is dirt. It's filth. Amen? And the Bible says that that we were once, we were, we were, we had sin. And it says, but the blood of Christ washes us whiter than snow, right? The blood of Christ, the work of Christ on Calvary has washed away our sin. Huh? And when you get, when you get dirt on your garment, what do you do? You put something on it like, uh, uh, you know, some kind of stain remover. You throw it in the wash and you hope it comes out clean, right? But when we're in Christ, we don't hope we come out clean. When we're in Christ, we know our sins have been washed away. Amen? So when you become born again in Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, the living Son of God, who bore your sins. That's why the Bible tells us that all of the handwriting that was against us was what? Nailed to the cross with Jesus. Amen? And so as we have faith in the Son of God or as our Savior, we know that we have been washed. Not that you will be, but you have been washed. He always, He continues to, once He what did that work on Calvary, our sins were washed away. So we come out clean. You ever take a shower after you're sweating and dirty and stinky and, and I go to hug my wife and she says, you better take a shower, hon. You know, after you've been working really hard, yeah, she really doesn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? But come on, when you've been working and you're sweaty and you want to go take a shower and you feel refreshed, don't you? And so when we walk away from Calvary, when we come to Calvary's cross and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you took away, that you take away my sins. I repent of my sins. Wash me clean in your blood. And we, we get that forgiveness. There's a, there's a, Oh, there's just a, a sense of relief, of release, of weights and bird, right? And we were washed clean. But not only does God wash us clean, it continues. The story continues. God's purpose and plan continues. It doesn't end with just being washed clean. What happens after we're washed clean? But ye are sanctified. What does sanctified mean? Okay, now you're clean. I'm setting you apart as my son and my daughter. I'm setting you apart so that I can work in and through your life. God washes us clean. Not so we can jump back into the mud pile and start mud wrestling again. huh? Not going back into the sinful things that we were just delivered from. Right? Not from the things that we were just washed from. So, how many of you know, the Bible says you can wash a pig all day long, but what's it going to do? You can put, put a little pink ribbon on him and say, oh, how cute. And five minutes later, not even, right back into the mud. Right? That's not what God wants us to do or how God wants us to live. When we come to Christ, He washes us and cleanses us. Right? And then, He sets us apart to 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 be his people, his children, his sons, his daughters. He wants to work in and through your life. God said, I have a plan for you. Plans of good, not of evil. Good stuff. 
God wants to make beauty, bring beauty out of ashes, right? So God got a good purpose for your life. So not only are you washed, but you're sanctified. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Who does that for us? Who can do that for us? No one but Jesus Christ, Father God. And so it says, but ye are sanctified, but ye are also justified. God now looks at you, you're washed, you're set apart, and God looks at you just as if, you've heard this said before, just as if you've never sinned. Oh yes, that's how God looks at you now. When you're born again, He washes you, sets you apart, and He looks at you with a smile on His face. God loves you because you're like that prodigal son, come home. What happened to the prodigal son when he came home? The father didn't even wait for him to ring the doorbell, did he? The father seen him coming and he opened the door and said, he put on his running shoes and he was out there to greet the prodigal and he wrapped his arm. And before the prodigal son could even start to, to say, oh, I'm saved, the father just hugged him and loved him and says, come on, I'm setting up a whole banquet. Get everything prepared. A big party here. God has great plans for you. So God looks at you in Christ because we take on the righteousness of God and the garment of salvation, the robe of righteousness. So God looks at you just as if you've never sinned. But the devil tries to whisper in your ear, you're not worthy. Do you remember what you did? How can God care about you and love you? Don't you know what you used to do? Yeah, I know what I used to do. But the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. I'm washed. I'm a blood-bought child, son of God. And my life now, I will live for Christ. I will live according to the teachings and the word of God. But I can't do it on myself. I might want to, but I need something else in my life to enable me to live day by day in the to follow Christ. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and, it's not over there. And, and this is, this is, this is a, this is like a, this is like the punchline. And, by the Spirit of our God. See, not only have you been washed and set apart and looked at as just as if you'd never sinned, because God sees Christ. When He sees you, He sees the price that His Son, His only begotten Son paid for you. When He looks at you, He sees the blood of Christ covering your life. And not only that, God now gives you the power of His Holy Spirit that now equips and enables you as we've been preaching in this whole series. Why does the Holy Spirit come into your life? Not just so you can speak in tongues, and I believe we should and, and do all the more. Not so we just lay hands on someone and, and we see them healed. That's good and fine, but that is not the reason and the purpose God pours His Spirit into your life. The reason He gives you the Holy Spirit is that He gives you the power 
over sin. The power to have your life changed and transformed so that you can live that life of righteousness and holiness before the Lord. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means that you have the power inside of you and the ability to walk differently than you walked before. That when the only thing, the only power that can overcome the power of sin is the power of God in His Holy Spirit. And so God, as He washed you and sanctified you and justified you, now He pours into your life the power and anointing of His Holy Spirit that gives you the ability and the power to live every day of your life for the Lord. How many of you want to live for the Lord? You cannot do it on your own power. You cannot do it with your own mental abilities. You can't do it with your charisma. You can't do it with your words or with your speech or with your walk or with your talk. You can only live the life that God wants you to live is by saying, yes, Lord, I want the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in me so that every day that I live, I will be guided by the Holy Spirit of God, the power that is within me. And not only does He give you the power, He gives you, he is, he is the what you call the keeping power of God. He's the only one that can keep us from the filth and the deceptions and the lies of this generation, of this world. From the day Christ came, from the day He says, wait until you receive power from on high, Christ, God knew that we needed the indwelling Holy Spirit to overcome the world. That's why you've heard this say how many times I said this. The Bible, the Bible, the Word of God declares, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And so God gives inside of you the power and working and anointing of the Holy Spirit so that you can overcome the world, the temptations and the, and the filth and the lies of this world. Amen. And so go with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 17. Verse number 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You're joined with God. When you're born again in Christ, you become one with God. You remember Jesus when he prayed in John chapter 17? Father, I pray that they be one, even as we are one. This is nothing new. Christ taught this. Christ prayed this, that we be one with him. And so that's why the Bible says, if you read the verses before and after this, you'll see that God is telling you that I've given you my power of my spirit to be in you because... You need to, we need to not be partakers of sin any longer. We not, we need not be falling into the temptations and lures and snares of this world. Because it says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What he's saying here is that God, we are one with God. We cannot continue to do the things we used to do. We used to sing that song, and don't worry, I will not sing it. The, uh, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The, th- the places I used to go, I don't go there anymore, right? So, we're new creations. We're thinking differently. We're living differently. We're, we're, we're fellowshipping differently. We're looking at the Word differently now. Now it's our life. Now it's our foundation. Now it's our everything. To us, And so it says, you're joined with the Lord. 
when you're joined with God, when you're joined with Jesus, Jesus elevates you. You're, 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 you're going this way. You're going up when you're joined with the Lord. Where is the Lord? He's King of kings and Lord of lords. His throne is in the heavens. And as you're joined with Him, He's raising you up. He's lifting you up above the things of this world. He's lifting you up to a new mindset. He's lifting you up to a new journey of life. But when you join yourself to the things of this world, to the pleasures of the flesh, to sin and the lies of the devil, those that joining brings you down. It brings you down to destruction. It brings you down to despair. It brings you down to the things that tear your life apart. That's why the Bible says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. So when you're joined with God, He gives you all that is necessary and needed, but He lifts you up. He brings you upward. Sin only drags you downward, like a quicksand that gets you and you just can't escape it. You need a power greater. When someone is in quicksand, no matter how strong, how smart, it doesn't matter. They will not get out of that quicksand. They will die in that quicksand unless... Someone else comes and pulls them out. They will die. Christ has pulled us out of the quicksand of sin and washed us clean and says, Now live with me, walk with me. I want to be the glory and the lifter of your head. Hallelujah. How many of you want the Lord to be the glory and the lifter of their head? Hallelujah. He is. He is. You don't have to ask him. He is. You've got to agree with him. Yes, Lord. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Again, it says, or do you not know? And we, we talked about this last week. That means, that means, have you forgotten? Caution. Have you forgotten? You know, do you not know? Know ye not? Do you not know? Is, is, have you forgotten? In other words, we as believers should know this. This should not be the good, this should not be new news to us. This should be something we have latched onto and made a foundation of our faith in Christ. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is or who is? See, I don't like the King James translation, which is, it should be who is. The Holy Ghost is a he, who. Right? Not a wit. Not a, you know, which it. But it says the Holy Ghost, your body is a temple, meaning that's the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you. And we said last week, He hasn't come to pay you a visit and say, listen, I'll be with you until Monday, but then I really gotta go. I got, I got, I got something to do in, in China or whatever. No! The Spirit of God comes to abide with you forever. For eternity. He's not there just for a Sunday morning to make you feel good, and then he's, you got to find him the rest of the week. He's with you 24-7 for as long as you live, and for eternity, we're fellowshipping with Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit together. Hallelujah. So it says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Who is in you, which we have of God, and you are not your own? That's why when we come to Christ, 
our lives. We've got to cry, Lord, my life, I thank you for my salvation. I thank you that you're changing and transforming my life. We cannot continue to be the same that we were. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased. God owns us. We are His children. We are His sons and daughters. So we can't do anymore the things that we'd like to do or would want to do. Now we've got to say, Father, what is it? That you, what's your plan for my life? How can my life bring you joy and pleasure? I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring forth. That's why I said, and you got the motivational gifts out there too. God comes into your life. When you were created, God put into you a personality. God put into every one of you gifts. Some of you can sing. And uh, my wife won't let me put my name down on the choir, but somebody write my name down. Please praise the Lord. God has given us something. I can't sing that great. God has given us gifts. And when we come to God, and you've got different gifts and different talents. Thank God we're not all the same, right? Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you would delight if you were all looking like me? Praise the Lord. Nobody raise their hand. Praise God. See, God gives us different giftings and personalities. But he works together in us as a whole. And so we want God to work in us because we belong to God. Verse 20 says, we were bought with a price, the price of Christ giving himself on Calvary. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belongs to God. Our life is to be lived for the glory of God. And living it is not a drudgery, it's not a sad thing. We, the Bible, Jesus said, I come that your joy... Your joy, your joy may be full. Living with God and walking with God and serving God should create a joy in our life. A smile in our face. Like I said, when you come driving to the house of the Lord, you should be singing a song, right? Oh, praise God, hallelujah, glory. Right, there should be something in your heart, in your spirit that says, I'm so glad. The Bible says what? I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Right? When your parents said, let's go to the house of the Lord, I bet you were rejoicing. Amen. Praise God. Right? That's how we got to be. Rejoicing. Keep your eyes on the road if you're driving. Keep what? You know, praise God, but keep your eyes on the road. But we need to be joyful in our service to God as we serve Him. And I want to just, we'll, we'll end with this before we go to communion. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're going to come around the table of the Lord in, a, in, in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses number, we're going to look at verses number 3 to 13. And I'm not going through all the gifts, but I just want to show you something concerning the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And it says, Wherefore I give you to understand that he's talking to the Corinthian church. Wherefore I give you to understand that he's talking to believers. That no man speaking by the Spirit of God, speaking by who? The Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. What is Paul saying to the Corinthian church? The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost in you, is the one that brings forth utterance into your life, brings forth words. 
And there can be someone, there must have been someone in the Corinthian church who was, as they were worshiping God or praising God, someone must have spoke out declaring that it was from the Spirit. And that's why we need discernment in the body of Christ to what is being said. And so someone in the service at Corinth, not here, in the service at Corinth, someone got up and said something concerning Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Savior and Lord. Then they called him a curse, or they said something against the name of Jesus. This is not the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul is just reminding them that the Spirit of God that is in you, reveals Christ to you as Savior and as Lord. The Spirit of God manifests the love of God for your life. The Spirit of God speaks to edify and to glorify the body of Christ and the, and the Lord of glory. And he says, so no one can speak against Christ. And what are they speaking against? They're saying, they're talking about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that every knee, there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? And it also says in Luke, when the angels announce to the shepherds that born to you this day is Christ the Lord. So Christ is the Lord, and He is Lord of all, and it is in His Lordship over our lives that we enjoy and know the fellowship of His love, of His grace, and of His mercy. And in in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 23, I just want you to get you to see this verse. Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse number 23. And I want you to see this and understand this. You remember Jesus before he went to Calvary. It says, but he turned and said to Peter. This is when when Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm on the road to Calvary. I'm going to be giving up my my life. And And Peter says, oh no, you can't do this. You can't go there. God had, Jesus had a mission and the enemy would always try to stop him from doing. Jesus was going to Calvary to go to Calvary's cross. And what was the result of Jesus going to Calvary? The benefits came out of Calvary's cross to who? To all mankind. Because Jesus went to Calvary, you and I can be born again, washed of our sin, sanctified, justified. Had Christ not gone, where would we be? And Peter, speaking to Jesus, says, you can't do that. Stop that. You can't go there. And Jesus turned to Peter, my God, and look what he said to him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men, of man. The enemy would try to come against you, to stop you from doing something for God that would benefit the whole body of Christ. This has been the work of the enemy from day one. It's nothing new. He even tried through Peter to say to Jesus, you don't have to do that. You shouldn't go there. And Jesus said to him, you're an offense to me. Get thee behind me, Satan, because what I got to do is going to be not only for my benefit, 
It's not for me. He says, I'm going for your benefit, Peter, and for all the people, generations of the world to come. And that's why when you try to do something for the Lord, when there's, when there's, when there's something that's put out that we can do this for God as a church, we need to say, yes, Lord, because the enemy will come to you and whisper, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, you don't have to take part in that. He's lying to you. He's whispering into your ear because what you do for Christ will bless, have eternal reward and eternal results. And what you do for Christ will last for eternity. But the enemy will try to tell you something else is more important. You don't have to do that. This is Go do this. Go do that. And that's why Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me. You're an offense to me. And so we have to see how we can bless the body of Christ and in, in all things. And so the Holy Spirit, go back to, Lindsay, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. We're going to end here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. We're going to see here where it says, Therefore I made to, known to you that, and go up to verse uh, 4, Lindsay, uh, verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Here in this portion of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 11 times, 11 times. 11 times. And it says, there's diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are, scroll up, Lindsay, and there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And if go continue up one more time. But here's where I want to look at, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit... The Spirit of God in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ brings forth different giftings and different gifts. Why? Because He's a God who wants everyone to be blessed. God, when Christ went to Calvary's cross, it was so that all who believe on Him would receive blessing, would receive that washing, would receive that sanctification, would receive that justification, would receive that power. And now as the Spirit of God comes into our lives, He brings a diversity of gifts that is for the profit of all. God is concerned about every one of you in this in this house today. Every one of you. There is no one here that God does not care about or God, God in each and every one of you has put a gifting and a talent and a, and a purpose for living for Him. And so here it says the Spirit of God was given to every man, not to some, not to many, but to every man. Meaning every believer, everyone who is in Christ, the Spirit of God is in you to bring something out of you that will be a profit, a blessing to the whole entire body of Christ. And so it goes here that what I'm trying to say here is that the Spirit of God brings forth variety and unity. And so when God has God sees you as the temple of God, He's given you His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reaches inside of you to give you the power and ability not only to live a righteous life for God, a, power, a life powered by the by the power of the Holy Spirit, but He's also inside of you to bring forth, to un, un, un to un, un, unleash or unveil your giftings and your talents for Him. 
And also, God wants to put in the service, he brings forth the different giftings, which we're not going to go through, because the Holy Spirit in you is concerned about being a blessing and an edification to the whole body of Christ. Amen? And so, as we're going to come around the table of the Lord this morning, and as we come around the table of the Lord, I want you to just, in your own words, as we're getting ready to come around, I want you to just know, understand, that Christ in you has opened the door and made a way for His Holy Spirit to be in your life. And the Holy Spirit is in your life so that you have the power to live for God, and He's in your life to bring forth, to make you see the giftings and the talents that are in you, and how you can use those things to to the glory of God, and how you should be open to the Holy Spirit in every service to say, Lord, here am I. What is it, Lord, that you want to bring forth through my life and through my service?